Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Jane's Talks. It's great to be here again. Really, really pleased to be here. Um, we're 29 episodes in now. Can you believe it? Um, yeah, I can't believe I've been uh, doing this for so long now. It feels like ages and it's so much fun. So much joy and I absolutely love it. Um, we've had You'll have heard some great interviews in the last few weeks with people like Lorna Kopp and Pamela Hodges and um, and uh, Christine Niles and um, we've got some more great interviews coming up in the next few weeks and some more great stuff to share with you and I am really really excited about it um, yeah <laughs> this is just such good fun um, yeah so I just want to bring you up to date with a few uh, things that I'm involved in uh, and then we'll get down to uh, repentance part one um, just a few things though first before we before we get really into that um, my blog, jamesprescott.co.uk, um, uh, there's a lot of um, blog posts there you can catch up on um, the last few weeks. One of them is about Christopher Reeve and why we could all be superheroes. Um, one of them is about Donald Trump and why Jesus would uh, welcome refugees and eat with Donald Trump. Um, and there's a few other ones as well, and I'd love you to go and check those out. That would be really, really great. Um, uh, also, you can catch up with all the um, old podcast episodes um, on iTunes, James, Press, James Talks. Um, just go and check that out. And please do, I'd love you to leave a review and to spread the word about it and get the message out to people because uh, it would be great if more people could hear this. Um, that's not why I do it, but just be. I think there's some really important stuff and really um, great insights from, from all the guests that I've had that people will really benefit from. So... I really did, so do get that stuff out there. I can also tell you about my book. My book is nearly done. Um, and I've got a special invitation for you all. Um, my book is on grace, and I want to create a companion book called Stories of Grace. And for that, I want you to, I want you to write 750 words or less um, of your experiences of grace, what grace means to you, um, a particular incident of grace in your life, um, and share it. Send it Send it to me at james at jamesprescott.co.uk and the best ones we will put together in an e-book um, because I'm really passionate about this subject of grace, really passionate about um people understanding grace more and um, putting their identity and security in grace, in the fact that they're enough and that they belong, that you all belong as we are. And um, I want, and it's, and the best way to talk about that is stories. And I know that we've all got stories of grace that we'd love to share. So please do send those stories to me. Um, you've got two or three months to do that till the end of May um, to share those stories and, Send, please send a, a picture to of yourself and some uh, a little bio of yourself as well, and we'll take a look at those. And the best ones will get put into a book and published on Amazon. And we'll get your we'll get your work out there. I love showing people's work. Uh, I have got, I have guest posts on my blog quite a lot, and I just love to see people explore their creative gifts and thrive in them. And this is a great opportunity for you to do that. Um, and yes, it'll be scary. Yes, it'll be um, challenging. I suspect. But I really would encourage you to do that because just the simple act of writing out your story and all your reflections 
Um, and sending it out there into the world is something that will help you grow. I can guarantee it. I know that from experience. Um, and even if it doesn't get chosen, it will still have been worth it because you will have made it and you will have had that experience and you will have had that lesson um, from making the work because making something teaches us something and it's just joy to do it and it helps deal with a lot of issues that are inside of us. So if there's something that's happened to you that... Um, where you experience grace and it moved you and um, you have things inside you want to share, please just get that out and send it to me. I'd love to hear it. Uh, maybe we'll do a few of them as guest posts as well. The ones that don't get in the bit, we'll put as guest posts. That would be a cool thing to do. So um, there's a great opportunity for you there to be published. So, uh, yeah, I really encourage you to do that. Send your stories of grace to me at james at jamespresscott.co.uk. I'd love to hear them. So, um, yeah. That's fantastic. So, on to repentance. Repentance part one, archery and living out of tune. Okay, so this is part one of a two-part series on repentance. Uh, There will be another episode tomorrow. Um, It's just two parts this series. Um, So, yeah, today we're beginning with archery and and, uh, living out of tune. So what does that have to do with repentance, I hear you ask. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, let's get going. We're not going to begin this series with the true meaning of repentance, because before we get to talking about the meaning of repentance, we're going to need to look about how we approach it. We need to examine the issues around repentance, because like a lot of things in Christian circles, to repent or repentance is a word or a phrase that we often hear, but we often don't understand either. (laughs) Um, So that brings me to the elephant in the room. Um, which is sin. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Sin is absolutely fundamental to any discussion on repentance because repentance is about leaving sin behind. Because we only confront repentance when there's some kind of sin to deal with. If we don't sin, we have nothing to repent of in the first place. Sin is a really old word. It's one of the most used words in Christian circles. I'm sure you've heard it many, many times. And it comes with a whole load of baggage. So let's talk about its meaning. Because I, th- because I think there's things that we need to hear about sin and understand it, which we haven't, which maybe aren't talked about enough. And we need to get rid of some of the old misunderstandings of this word and what it means and what it has to do with our identity and kind of unpack it and explore it in a really healthy way. So, um, let's begin. Um, The theologian Cornelius Plantinga, in his book Engaging God's World, defines sin as follows. Sin is the culpable disturbance of shalom. Shalom is how God wants things to be. Shalom is peace with yourself, with your neighbour, with the earth, with God. Let me just repeat that definition of sin. Sin is the culpable disturbance of shalom. That's the definition. Sin essentially is an act which disrupts the shalom, the peace, the way God has for the world. It's something we do or we say which takes us away from how we created to live. It's an act which causes the world to be less like God created it to be which disrupts both ourselves and others from living the life we were born to live. This is a great place to start. 
So there's a, there's a way that God wants us to live in the world. There's a way that we were created to live in the world. There's a harmony, a peace, um, a grace that we were meant to live in the world. In tune with God, in tune with each other. Loving one another, serving one another, forgiving one another, encouraging one another, supporting one another. And when we break that, we break the shalom God has for the world. And that's what sin is. Sin is not about violating or disobeying. It's simply an act which causes disruption to the to relationship, which maybe causes us or others pain. Something which makes the world less peaceful and good. A bad decision, a heat of the moment act we regret, doing something which causes damage to ourselves and others, not quite getting it right. And we've all done that, haven't we? I mean, I've got loads of regrets. I've got loads of things that I'm really ashamed of, that I know I shouldn't have done, that were bad decisions, um, ways I've treated people badly. Um, you know, where sometimes I've let my ego get away with me and I've had to be... Um, told that I'm being an idiot you know we've all got regrets we've all got things that we've done that we wish we hadn't and we all make mistakes every day because none of us none of us are perfect you know we live in a broken world and we're all we're all broken we're all messed up none of us has it all together and that's the reality and so you know We've all, we've all sinned, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear. We know in the Bible it says we've all sinned. So, um, <laughs> um, so let's go deeper in its original meaning from scripture, the word sin. And this means talking about archery. Now in archery, at the time the word was, the word, you, the word that we call now use as sin was used in scripture, the person firing the arrow, the archer, in other words, much like now, had to had to aim at what's called a target, which obviously makes sense. Um, which is quite funny that they used that word back then. The target, though, is essentially the whole of the circular board, which people aim at. We often think of the target as like this, the, the centre of it, like the little bit in the middle where everyone has to hit. That's not what the target is. In archery, the target is the whole of the round circular thing that people are firing at. That's the target. The yellow centre kind of bullseye part of it is called the gold now when you miss the gold center the perfect score the perfect shot but still hit the target outside it this was known in greek language as armatia in the hebrew language this was termed sin or sin with a y s-y-n instead of s-i-n it's hitting the target but not getting the perfect hit it's not hitting the target at all, which the archers called, and still call, a miss. So you only miss when you don't hit the target, the whole circular thing. You know, that's a miss, and we'd all call that a miss for sure. Um, but so, sometimes you can, you, can hit, you can hit the target a little bit, but you don't get, quite get the perfect hit. So sin, as the Bible talks about it, is simply missing perfection. It's not about how evil you are. It's not about that you make that one mistake and you are a failure or wicked or malicious, deceitful or cruel, deserving of eternal torment, as a lot of Christians like to talk about and say this is the truth in love. Yeah, you've been there, yeah? I've been there too. It's not very nice, is it? Oh, the truth in love, you know, um, I don't want to be cruel, but, you know, 
And this is just the truth in love. No, actually, it's just really cruel and horrible. And it's something we don't want to hear. Truth in love is like a really, really, really bad thing. Don't want to hear that. Um, because truth in love actually isn't loving at all. That's what I think. Um, so, it's simply that. You're aiming at perfection, and you just missed it. And in missing it, you caused a bit of disruption, damage, or suffering to yourself, and maybe to others too. That's sin. Sometimes it's intentional, sometimes we know better, but other times we don't. Your intentions might have been good, you might be doing your best to live the life God wants for all of us, but you made a mistake, you made a bad decision. Your intentions were to live how God wanted you to live, but you didn't quite do it. You know, you couldn't quite live up to it, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't keep to your ideals, your beliefs, you couldn't do do the things that you really wanted to do like paul says the good things i want to do i don't do and the bad i don't want to do i do even paul had problems with this so um you can have the you can have the best of intentions but you can still screw up and that's that's human <laughs> you know that's perfectly normal you know um doesn't mean we should settle for it doesn't mean that we should just okay that's normal so let's just settle for it but it's, it, it, but it's okay if you're like that. You're not. Un, everyone is like that. There's not a person who, who who gets it right all the time. We're not Jesus. Jesus got it right. Jesus was without sin. Jesus didn't screw up. He's the only person that's ever done that in history. So, um, you know, if you if you feel that you screwed up, you're not alone. We all have. Okay. And I don't care what you think of all these. Of, of you know, if there's people out there, you think, oh, they never do anything wrong. I guarantee you, they have. And they're just very good at hiding it. We all screw up because none of us are perfect. Okay? You're not evil. You're not cruel. You're not worthless. And your identity is, isn't defined by your mistakes. Those aren't who you are or God says you are. It's just that you made a mistake. We're all, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We never get it 100% right. So let's just go to the Bible here. Um, as good Christians do. Um, let's go to the Bible. Um, there's a story in the Bible in John chapter 8 of a woman caught in adultery and she's guilty without doubt she's been caught in the act and the pharisees bring her to jesus and ask him what they should do and they were picking up stones to, to stone her to death as the law says but they want to back jesus into a corner and to trick him and somehow discredit him so they ask him what he's what 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 they should do you know they said this is what the law says but what should we do what do you say and jesus says very simply they who are without sin, let them cast the first stone. They who are without sin, let them cast the first stone. And slowly but surely, the crowd falls away. There's no one left. Because all of us, deep down, know that we've made mistakes. We've all done things that we regret. No matter what our intentions, we've all missed perfection. Now, one word which is often used by Christians to describe themselves and more, often, and more often others is the term sinner, as in we're all sinners who need to be saved. So our primary identity, according to these people, is as sinners. But let's go back to the woman in adultery, the story that we just told. Now, after the potential stone throwers have gone, Jesus, the one who, according to his own teaching, has the right to cast the first stone because he's without sin. So he could cast the first stone, no problem. But he says, I do not condemn you, go and sin no more. So, 
Jesus says that despite her mistakes, she's not going to be judged. She's not condemned. He loves her. He shows her grace. And what has not happened yet? What hasn't happened? Repentance. The woman hasn't repented. There's been no apology. No no expression of any desire to change at all from her. But Jesus just meets her where she is and loves her unconditionally. He doesn't judge or condemn. He loves. Jesus shows grace. He forgives her without waiting for a response. Because Jesus doesn't see her fundamental identity as a sinner, but as a child of God. He sees this woman as worthy of unconditional love, grace and acceptance, even in the midst of her sin, even when she's been caught out and exposed. And it's like there's no doubt to her guilt, but Jesus loves her. Because our fundamental identity is not as a sinner. In the New Testament, we're not identified first and foremost as sinners, but as saints. Saints who sin. This is really important. Your primary identity, your true self, is found in who you are in Christ, not in the ways you have disrupted Shalom. Sin is essentially living out of tune with how you were created to live. Living outside of your design specifications. Out of sync with who you were born to be. It's like when you play an out-of-tune piano, it's just not right. It doesn't sound right. It's not how it should be. God is not a God of terror or fear. He is not a God who is out to get us. He's not waiting to catch us out. He doesn't see us as sinners, as evil, wicked people deserving of punishment, but as saints, unconditionally loved and accepted, even in our sin. God is about grace, not fear. In many ways... God is grace. Now at the end of the story, Jesus says to the woman at the end of their conversation, go and sin no more. So Jesus loves the woman even in her sin and says she is forgiven. But now he challenges her to go and live a different life. To change, to transform her life, to live in the shalom God has for the world. To live in tune with how God created her to live. To live the life God wants for her. And all she has to do is receive the forgiveness and choose to change, which is the call God sends out to all of us. God says to us, I see the ways you've disrupted the shalom I have for the world. I see how you've missed the perfect centre. I see your worst self. And I say, you matter. You belong. You're unconditionally loved, accepted and valued and forgiven, even in the midst of it. Now go and live a transformed life. Isn't that amazing? I think it's awesome. And it brings us to what repentance really means and what it's really about, which is where we'll go tomorrow.